Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Death Therapy, and you're listening to the Campfire Conversationalist Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Campfire Conversationalist podcast. Um, today, we're going to be talking about something that's that's a little bit out of the norm for us, but it's something that's really been weighed on my heart in the last couple weeks, or even the last couple months, maybe even the last couple years. But really, in the last couple weeks, it's it's come up over and over and over and I've had many discussions with, you know, people around me, and they they have kind of they kind of feel the same way. Um, but it wasn't until my pastor gave me a book that I really I, and I started reading this book that it I seen that I wasn't the only one really that was thinking these things. Like I wasn't, you know that I wasn't the originator of these thoughts because anytime that you're thinking like outside of the box and you're the originator of a thought, there comes a risk that, especially within the church, that you are, you're walking that fine line between, you know, rebellion and just being like observant. Um, and as a, as a churchgoer, as a Christian, you never want to walk in rebellion. Um, and you kind of want to, you know, if you're observing things, you want to be careful how you criticize those things, especially if you're criticizing things in other churches that you don't even attend, or maybe you go to a church and you see things happening, and those things that you see, you begin to criticize them, but that can take you down a very bad path. So, what we're going to talk about tonight is is the decline of the church in North America and how it is impacting on people, um, what could be causing the decline of the church in North America, and, you know, how to spot symptoms of a decline in the church. Maybe your church, maybe you go to church, maybe you haven't gone to church, but maybe, maybe these are things, if you don't go to church, um, if you're not a Christian, you're an atheist, whatever, I get it, you know, but maybe these things will help shed some light on, you know, things that are going on in the church that maybe you can see that, you know, beyond the steeple and see the, the, the people or the, the mission as it were and how it's supposed to be and not how maybe you were introduced to the church so that's what we're going to talk about tonight and matt um why don't you give me your perspective on the church in itself i mean do you see a decline in the church at all well it's kind of hard for me to give a really 
a really accurate opinion about that because um so just a little bit of a background on myself i basically grew up in the church um all my life my my parents were super heavily involved in 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 church my whole life um like the the fact that i listened to christian music was pretty much because of my parents um basically when i was about nine years old um they took me to the christian bookstore and they were like i don't know what made them do this but they were like uh you know we want to get you a a christian band or whatever i don't know and they were like do you want to listen to one bad pig or white cross i and missed that band so much do you dude. remember one bad pig yes. i never got into them but oh like oh my gosh but like like literally one bad pig and white cross were my introduction to anything that wasn't what my parents dude, listened I think to those were mine so too like, <laughs> so like it, it was weird because like basically back in the day um when you go to a christian bookstore what would happen was um in order you know like they would have tapes available for you to listen to in a tape player so you can decide if you like that album or not and like for whatever reason i ended up picking out one bad pig and then my mom and dad were like white cross because um the lead singer scott wenzel um when i was probably about three or four he attended the same church that we did and my parents knew him personally um so and they knew you know they knew he was in in white cross so you know they they were kind of like you know well, what which tape do you want and i was like well white cross because you know we know scott that was kind of my line of thinking as a nine-year-old and so like my whole life has just been like in church people you know everything you know in church and then you know as an adult i i still was in church and involved for a while and then the last church i went to i mean there was kind of a lot of pretty dramatic things that had happened mm -hmm. like the pastor died like in an airport in like denmark and like um i don't want to say some of the other things that, that happened but there was a lot of other very dramatic things and i was like i just need a i need a break it's like it, this is just too much drama you know what i mean yeah so i kind of stepped back and took a break for a really long time not that i wasn't a christian or saved or born again i just didn't attend church really anywhere you know from time to time we would go to pastor tommy's church in northville when he was out there um, um but even that we weren't really that involved not like we were at the other church <clears throat> um and then after we moved out away out of michigan we really didn't we just didn't go anywhere for a long time um, and then about a year and a half ago, we started attending the church we are at now. And um, it's a pretty decent sized church. It's not big, but it's not small. I mean, they've got two services. It's hard to say. It's a lot of people my age. There's not a lot of youth that go there. Like a lot of the adults that go there are just having kids. You know what I mean? So there's not a lot of teenage teenagers that go because the, it's just not that demographic a lot of the parents are younger you know what i mean mm -hmm. um so that's probably really the extent of like 
church that we've gone to in the last year and a half or two is just where we've been and it's like it seems like it's steadily growing and they're like um they have a couple of other um churches that that they've started in the area um and their goal is to start i don't know they want to they want to start like a bunch of churches in the next 10 years or maybe nine maybe it's nine now i don't know um but yeah um so i guess from my perspective it's just it's i'm i'm kind of i don't i don't want to say new but i don't know dude i found <laughs> i found one bad pig god arky on yeah on youtube <laughs> really yeah <laughs> wait 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 they were a little too punk for me i think they were but... yeah they're full punk dude hold on yeah hold on <laughs> you could hear that right and keep in mind when when i f- sought out these two bands this would yeah. have been about 1988 so this isn't just punk rock this is like 80s punk rock could you hear that when i was playing no it? Oh. i'll play it again <laughs> i played it over you might not be able to hear it on your side Key, that you said it was called? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I was... So... <clears throat> wow, that, that just brung up a ton of memories. Yeah. I I have a little bit more diverse uh, church background than Matt does. Um, I grew up in... Uh, you know, I had a... I was a troubled teen, you know, and I don't want to go too far back, but I was a troubled teen... Um, I got into a lot of trouble and church was a way that I could, um, I I think my mom and my parents kind of thought that it was a way that would kind of balance me out. Um, because really I, I think a part of me just wanted to connect with someone and church did that for me. I, uh, I remember going and I remember being at the church and I was I was skateboarding at the time and somebody seen me skateboarding and they were having some kind of meeting my mom was there for her own meeting um and one of the somebody one of the leaders seen me skateboarding outside and asked me to come in and they were having they had a drama team and they asked me to come into the drama team and for a tryout and I was like, for what? <laughs> like, I don't want to be on a stupid drama team. But I, I don't know why, but something in me pulled me inside, you know, even though I was hesitant. And all these other people, they had been preparing for this drama team. And here I am just like thrown into it and had no idea what I was doing. Um, but somebody in there thought that there was something inside of me that was good enough to do what they needed me to do and I connected right away with a lot of the leaders and I ended up you know staying on for years and years after Um, I became close with the pastor and years later now this is where the I guess the diversity part comes in is years later the the pastor ended up making a mistake and 
it was a mis it was a costly mistake um, and I'm not gonna get into what it was but let's just say that it it devastated the church and it ripped them in two um, I wasn't actually there when it ripped the church in half otherwise I might have been affected in a different way um, I had just left and I was away from that church for a little bit and that's when I seen everything go down on the news and it was it was bad um, but I remember that being in the back of my mind like this is a place that I called home for quite a few years I knew everyone and and now in a in a moment's notice it was just ripped away well let's also put new everyone into perspective um, what, what did you say to me before? There was at least 3,000 people that had that went yeah. to that church, if yeah. not more. Yeah, there was... There and, was... and likewise for myself, the church that I was that I had attended last before the one I'm at now, mm -hmm. um, on, 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 let's say, a Thanksgiving Day or Thanksgiving Day weekend, um, there would be probably five to 7,000 people that would attend my church. Mm -hmm. A normal service would be maybe 2,500 to 3,000. Yeah. So John and I, and these are different churches. So, so John are, and I both came from pretty, pretty big churches. So these are really big churches, you know. Yeah. Now, when the pastor made a mistake, um, he was actually the youth pastor, and he made a mistake, ripped the church in half. Um, the church literally has struggled to this day to see numbers come back. Um. I, I think there are two parts to this, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or throw mud in anybody's face. Um, what I am getting at is that this is one aspect of a church decline. Okay, um, this will probably be the first one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get into more over this you know this hour. That this is one thing that if if this has happened to you. And you've seen or been through this to where your your pastor made a mistake and maybe it was a costly mistake maybe it was like straight-up sin and it rips the church apart just know that this is just the work of a human and people make mistakes they're they're valuable and you know everybody makes mistakes in this world um, now your pastors are going to be more accountable for those mistakes because all eyes are on them all the trust is on them if they're in a leadership position you know all the weight of the world falls on the leader and if they make a mistake you know nobody's going to look the other way everyone looks at them and they blame them and likewise they should they should be held to a higher standard um, so I just wanted to pull that out um, now later I was under different churches and I seen different churches get divided for lots of different reasons. I seen one where, you know, the the pastor um, and his wife they had a divorce, and then out of that divorce, um, mud started flying from you know both sides of the aisle. And before you Real knew mature. it, yeah. But I mean, that's that's Dude, basically. I can't even imagine. That's basically how it was, and none of it was true. It was just flinging mud here and there, and it literally drove the pastor out. Um, and it was it was devastating to see this, you know. Instead of like, in instead of the church stepping up and being there for both parties and trying to unify them again. The mud just started flying 
You know? And it had to be just like one person wins and one loses. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'm not down with that at all. Yeah. And then, you know, we attended other churches. Um, some, it just seemed like they were, <clears throat> it was like they had like monumental growth. But every time, you know, we went in, it just seemed like we just could not connect. Like the people just didn't seem friendly. Um, and I'm not saying they weren't growing. They were growing, you know. But it just seemed like a place that we couldn't connect with. Like, no matter how hard we tried, we even went to, uh, you know, they were doing, like, community outreaches and stuff like that. And it was like, it was like banging our head against the wall to try to get to know people. You know? Yeah, I I definitely understand that. Me and, we talked about, like, is this, like, a click issue um, to where like you got to be on the in or you got to make you know is it social status do you got to make a certain amount of money um, do you have to donate or so and I don't think it was a money issue I don't think it was a social class maybe maybe it was I don't know but I would well, like there's to always those elements of tribalism no matter how hard people try it's almost like in people's nature to have that um, but it's like when you're in a church, you kind of have to try to get past that yeah. to a point. But at the same time, I can understand trying to protect other people in the church from mm -hmm. wolves. Yeah. And you want to kind of be a little bit protective. Yeah. So I, I kind of understand it a little. Well, I, I get that too. I've also been in meetings at different churches where like the moment you come in, you're on the hot seat. And they're grilling you for information about where you were, what your past is, um, you know, and they literally, it's like a CIA interview, you know? <laughs> I mean, the only thing missing, the only thing missing is like, you know, uh, brain probes and a heart monitor, you know, on your forefinger and then a spotlight in your face. That's the only thing missing because other than wow. that, they're like leaning across the table and grilling you. And how is that profitable? You know, I mean, I understand, you know, you want to protect the sheep and all, but if someone is coming in fresh, is this the kind of, like, is this the message that Jesus portrayed? Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, if, if you really trust God to take care of, of of the flock so to speak then yeah. um you those methods are irrelevant and unnecessary well and and are they you know not just not necessary but how are they profitable on any spectrum how is this how does this help uh, see, further see the kingdom the, of god i think sometimes people get into power that are power hungry mm -hmm. and i'm not one of those people so i can't understand that mindset and I think that's the kind of things that people that are power hungry do. Well, and that brings up another in interesting um, aspect of it is, are these pastors seeing these churches as their churches? Right? Well, yeah, they probably, uh, one way or Did, another, yeah. Are they ever? Were they ever their church? <laughs> Even if they got out, even I mean, if they built it from every school, you know, every cinder block they put down, put the mortar on, paid off the mortgage, by the brought way, in all the people, fed all the people. Is it their church? That's a good point. And by the way, my grandfather, that's exactly what he did. 
Yeah. He he would build physically build the buildings, the churches, mm-hmm. and then pastor them. And, and actually, Troy Assembly, you know, you've been there before. We've been there together before. Yeah. My my grandfather physically built that building. And then, um, oh, man, there's another one. <sighs> but did he, did your grandfather uh, ever see that as his church? I You know, I don't know. That, that would have been when church. I was a child. You know what um, I mean? I, you know, Troy Assembly would have been way before my time. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you. Um, what's... I'm trying to think. Um, what's the what city is it that the Pistons play in? The Palace of Auburn Hills. Auburn yeah, Hills. Auburn Hills. Yeah, there's a there's an assembly guy a god church out there, mm-hmm. right out the freeway, and like literally, I remember my grandfather building that building. Yeah. Um, what I would have been really young, maybe five or six, um, and I I don't know. I I think I was probably too young to remember how people were treated and reacted. You know, I don't, I don't remember, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think some people maybe take it overboard and they don't necessarily realize that what they're building it for, you right. know, and here, they're the shepherd, here, not, not the God. Right. Right. And let me point out that that's obviously not the way it's supposed to be because, the building is to be built for, think of it this way, is like the church is not there to collect tithes. The church is not there to um, have like a social gathering, okay? The church is there to basically to bring in people to worship God, okay? Um, and you, I mean, you could take it to a far extreme and you could just say, well, the people are sheep. So therefore, the church is to be a shelter for the ch- for the sheep, right? Sure. I mean, you can say that. It's essentially what it is, but I mean, in in real terms, it's there as a as a house of worship, and it's it's God's house of worship. Okay. Um, yeah. And it, that's all it is. It's just there. It's just four walls and you know a roof overhead. It's just there to bring people together. I mean, think about what the Bible says. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, so shall I be there in the midst. Okay? Uh, In the midst of them. So that's all it is, is to bring two or three or more people together to worship. That's, That's it. So for someone to say, well, I built this building, it's my church. Well, it was never your church. It's God's church. And maybe you were made a steward of it, okay? But if you were abusing that power, then you might want to check that. You understand? Mm-hmm. At least, I, and I could be way off. I understand. I'm not a. I'm not perfect either. I make mistakes, and I'm probably making a mistake with this. But the reason why um, all of this is being said is to talk about these things and I thought it relevant to talk about these these things so people have an understanding that if your church is going through a decline in numbers um, there's a there's a very fascinating book that my my pastor gave me and um, it didn't give me all these ideas I, I, I actually was feeling these things in my heart well before he gave me the book but then I read the book and I like I said earlier in the podcast that the book 
kind of shed light that I'm not the only one that that thinks this way. Um, the the book is called Autopsy of a Deceased Church, okay. And there's a you know there's a subtitle you know Twelve Ways to Keep Yours Alive, and I think that is the important part to focus on, is recognizing what is going on. If your church is on the decline, if you're seeing smaller numbers, um, to recognize it and know that you have to make a change. And that change is really, really simple. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shed light on it. So it's really, really simple. And that is to be more selfless as a church, as a whole. To reach your community, not for the auspices that if you do something, you receive something. So, point in case, if I reach out to the community, then my church will grow. Well, that's wrong thinking, okay? You should reach out to the community because that's what you need to do. That's what God wants you to do. Right? Mm-hmm. So, reaching out to the community is just what you're supposed to do, okay? And there has to be the understand the underlying you know, point that even if you do this, your church might not recover. But if you do it as a whole, you're going to find favor and your church will begin to grow. Okay. Um, and it might not even be from the people that you're doing it to, that, that you're ministering to. But the point in case is there's a lot of homeless people out there. There's a lot of starving people out there. There's a lot of people that are broken hearted, that are on drugs that are into prostitution and all kinds of things that they need to they need help with and they might not have a way out you know there's a lot of single moms that are trying to you know raise kids on their own and just trying to make ends meet is is a miracle and the church can by far step in and help out with these okay so Anyways, some, I guess we can go back to reasons of decline and then um, we can kind of narrowly kind of make it through that. So the first one that I, I mentioned earlier that we talked about in brief, but was, you know, pastors messing up and you have your, you know, remember the cases back in the 80s and they still happen through to this day. They're just not as widely um, brought out unless they're like a high value target. Okay. If Joel Olstein went on and screwed up, then it would be blasted all over the news. But your local church, if your pastor messes up, the only ones that are going to know are the flock of that church. But it does happen. Um, in church splits, I mean, you have pastors getting divorced. You have pastors breaking up with you know their belief systems and walking away so there's there's a lot of it that can come just from the head um, but then there's other reasons um, such as you know the church putting up walls um, in other words like walls of fortification that they don't want to they don't want to change things they don't want to allow things in that would change the system that they have okay now, those walls also create like a barrier to keep the people on the outside out. And for sometimes, that is precisely how the people in the church would like things to be. 
they want to keep things the same on the inside and they don't really want new people coming in. Um, Matt, have you seen anything like this? Not recently, but in the past, yes. Where were you? What church? Um, I don't want to say the names of any mm. churches. <laughs> I mean, well, no, 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 no. I, I know that. Be, I know that. It would I'm be not, irrelevant not... at this point, anyways, because yeah. no, nobody even goes there. That's the same, anyways. No, no. And I didn't want you to give names. <clears throat> I just meant like, like, is it a Some place? Of the big that, ones. <laughs> is it a place that I, <laughs> I was going to say? Is it a place that I went to, or was it a yeah, place probably. when you were in Washington? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I don't. <sighs> The one, uh, no, no, I don't think so necessarily in Washington, but, uh, yeah, one that you've been to. Okay. Um, what is another, what is another reason? Oh, the, we already talked about the, uh, um, the shepherd and the wolf syndrome. Um, yeah. fending off wolves that might not even be wolves. Um, can you think of any more reasons? Any more reasons for what? For decline. Um, financial. How about financial? Um, holding on to the money, not wanting to invest in areas that needed to be invested in, uh, or being just bad stewards of the money that you're given. You know? Or maybe you go, yeah, I mean, that could fall in with being a bad steward, but being over your head in debt. You know what I mean? Maybe. Um,. It seems like anytime I've ever seen people leave a church, it's usually over trauma. You think so? Yeah. It's usually it could over be, trauma. You know, it could be too, though, that, um, you know, people, they might be dedicated to go to a certain church and their kids might even be, but their grandkids <clears throat> might not be. So a church that's been around for like 40 years. Their grandkids yeah, see, go away to college and then never come back? Maybe. I, I've never been in a situation like that, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I've never, ever been in a situation like that. Most, I don't know. I know this is kind of a change in venue for our podcast, but I really do think it's relevant. Um Especially, I mean, especially because I've been to so many churches and it literally breaks my heart to see some of them where they're just dwindling on these small numbers that, you know, have been there for maybe years and there's never any growth. There's not, not even a person growth and you have to question like, you look down the street and there might be a church where they're actually starting to gain numbers, but then this church here is dwindling in numbers, you know, part of me just wants to like, part of me just wants to like shake things up and be like, come on, you know, there's, there's millions of people, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people out there, you know, that need to, um, they need help. I mean, just point, plain and simple. They just need some help, you know? Um, I don't know, Matt. What do you think? Um, let me see. Let me, let me gather my thoughts on this. Um, 
Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people out there that probably need Jesus and um, a good church is sometimes hard to find, but I mean, when you find one, I mean, stick around. Right. Uh, and I, I've seen a lot. Of, uh, one thing I have seen a lot in my lifetime <clears throat> um, is um, I don't want to call it fake growth, but it's not real growth. You know what I mean? Right. People that are already Christians and saved going from one church to another. And they're like, yeah, your church is getting bigger. Yeah. But it, I mean, well, in the one that's thing, like, that's like one, a movie theater, being, yeah. every theater being, you know, half full. And then half the people in one theater are like, this movie sucks. And they just go to another theater, you know, they go to the, you know, the theater down the hall to watch a movie that doesn't suck. And you're like, oh, that movie sold out. Well, not really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what that's kind of what it is. Well, and I'm always questioning like on on one aspect, I think churches need to grow um I think they need to um I think they need to grow as like the newer generations are growing. I think they need to be pliable and adaptable to those newer generations. Um, without giving away themselves and what their core like belief system is. So point in case, um, you know, I'm, I'm always a little leery when I walk into churches and they have that kind of overwhelming seeker friendly, you know, kind of mojo going on, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, some of it. Yeah. I think is, is is relevant because so what is making the seeker friendly part you know is it the flashy blue lights behind the people as they as they like play their guitars and jump around um, you know or is it the songs that they sing or maybe the style that they're playing it in or is it the fact that they have everyone shake hands 50 times what is it that makes it seeker friendly is it the message? You know? you know, that's not a question I can ever really answer because I've never understood the quote-unquote seeker-friendly churches. I've been to a few of them. Yeah. And um, to me, they seem all about theater, and it's not very personable. Yeah. Well, that's my take. That's my take. Well, I mean, and- I've been I've been to quite a few of them in yeah. in the past, and and it's like. The message is usually good, even sometimes. Yeah. But then it's like everything's theater and performance and lights and this and that. And then I, I've never met one person that I know still to this day from any of those churches. Well, like I've never shook hands with any of them. Yeah. Or you yeah. know what I mean? It's just not personable. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I went to church today. That's how I feel about it. But that's my opinion. No, no, no. And I, I personally agree. Here's the other part that I'll add to that is I've never seen anyone's life changed out of those services. They go, they hear it, and then they leave. But it's usually like, and I'm not saying universally, so don't take my words out of proportion. But I'm saying I've never seen anyone go in a drug addict 
and then their life a year from that point changed completely and them being off drugs and you know what I mean? I have never seen it. I agree. It's usually like the message is usually like some half-baked lukewarm, you know, kind of message about how you're cared about and I will I will add this that I do believe that there's a time and a place for milk to be fed to, you know, newborns uh, that are coming into the church um, but time after time I've gone to these churches and I'm still getting milk mm-hmm no meat just milk no no meat or no grain I, I went to I went to this one church okay this is hilarious I went to this church and we went there and some friends had referred us to go there and we went and we're being open-minded. We're trying to be objective. And we're looking for a new church anyway. So we're like, well, let's start here. Everyone's super friendly. And they're hugging us. And we're like, okay, this is kind of cool, I guess. And we go. And this pastor comes up. And first the music, of course. There was, you know, universal three songs. Because that's the most that we can do in a service. Um three songs that lasted about 10 maybe 15 minutes followed by 25 30 minutes of you know um, announcements uh, video announcements and flashy lights and you know <laughs> so the announcements are like the announcements are easily twice as long as as the music you know wow that's funny and I'm like okay and whatever and very true yeah I'm like whatever I get it Let's be let's be something different, you know. They've got like a professional voiceover guy doing the voiceovers. <laughs> yeah, he's like, and next Wednesday, <laughs> in a world where everyone is saved. Yeah, in a <laughs> there you are standing alone. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is I'm awesome. Watching. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Anyways, we go to this church. Announcements are, you know, twice as long uh, as the worship. And then the some guy comes up. He doesn't really announce himself. He just comes up, and he's just got, like, a one little piece of paper. Okay? And, you know, me and Liz were just sitting there, and we're like, okay, who's this guy? You know, maybe he's, like, the after-announcements announcements, you know? Um... And he comes up and he's like, he's like, okay, so I want to tell this story. He's like, one time, or he's like, once upon a time, there was a nest of, uh, there was a nest of eagle or baby eagles. He was like, and from these, from this eagle nest, these baby eagles could see the world, you know, far beyond you know, over the trees and he, they could see all the valleys and they could see the water and they could see the world in, in abroad, you know, he's like, mm -hmm. and then one day, one of the baby chicks falls out of the nest and he lands on the ground and kind of stumbles about, he's like, and he doesn't really know where he is. He just knows that he's not in his nest. But then he sees another bird. He's like, and this bird is big and beautiful. He's like, but it kind of has an ugly face. 
and this bird is a turkey. He's like, and so this this dude wait, just wait. out of nowhere just comes up and starts telling you the yeah, story. Yeah, just out of nowhere. Ah. Okay, <laughs> like doesn't it doesn't have any announcement? Nothing. Jeez. Social okay. etiquette and tip number one. Yeah, I, I'm like giving you verbatim. Don't start telling somebody a random <laughs> story like this without any context. It's weird. I'm giving you like verbatim how this happened. So he's like, and this this little baby bird, this baby eagle, sees this turkey, and he kind of has an ugly face. And no, you know, nobody really likes this other turkey. And the turkey kind of flaunts his feathers around and he's kind of mean. And so this eagle walks around following this, this turkey. And the, the eagle starts to believe that he's a turkey. And so, you know, the years pass and this eagle still believes he's a turkey. He's like, and the moral of this story is that you should fly amongst the eagles and not be on the ground with the turkeys. He's like... What? But what if the church, the eagle <laughs> wait, wait, identified wait. as Tofurky? <laughs> wait, so then he's like, you know, this is the moral of the story. He's like, all right, now we're going to bow our heads and pray. Okay. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> no, so he does. And me and Liz are thinking like, okay, this is like the pre-sermon Okay, like you know how some pastors will do like a like a little snip like kind of joke or something or a little story before they get into the, the sermon part. Mm-hmm. No, he he has everyone bow their heads. They all pray, and then he stand. You know, he has everyone stand up, and he's like, "All right, shake three three hands." Me and Liz are doing it. And we're like, "Okay, this is probably just customary for what they do here." And he's like, "All right, you're dismissed." And he walks off the stage, and everyone starts walking out. What the heck? <laughs> this is the kind so... of this is the kind of thing that I that I've seen. Okay, and if you go to a church like this, I feel really bad for you because I don't know what you can get out of that. <laughs> like straight up, I'm not sure what you can get out of that. And this I is mean, a real honestly, church. I'm you not can making find better YouTube's on video or vid- better videos on YouTube. Yeah, or Facebook on Sunday morning. Yeah. I, I yeah, exactly. I legit am not making this up. This is like verbatim how it happened. And me and my wife just sat there, like looking at each other, like what in the world just happened? You know. Like for real, what just happened? Like I, words still, I, I still don't know what to think about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we're not turkeys or eagles, buddy. We're humans. <laughs> that, that's what I think about it. So, I, what's your point? Uh, I don't know what your point is because I don't know how turkeys or eagles think. Because I'm neither one and never will be. And I don't identify as a turkey or or a maybe eagle. we should we should identify as turkeys, or no we should identify as an eagle wanting to be a turkey. That I'm an would, eagle, and you, I want to be a turkey. You imagine how that would confuse like all of society, like you get pulled over by a cop and he's like, he's like, how you doing? Can I see your license? Yeah. I'm tofu turkey. How you doing, sir? I'm not a sir. I'm an eagle that wants to so be a turkey. Offensive. Don't call me a sir. <laughs> I'm a tofurkey. <laughs> wait, wait. No, it's an eagle-erky. Or, wait. Is it a teagle? Is it a teagle? Or eagle. is it... Um... I'm a teagle. <laughs> Officer, I identify as a teagle. What's that? 
<laughs> a turkey eagle. <laughs> I identify as a teagle. Dude, I'd get myself admitted to the mental hospital so quick, and I'd be like, whew, ticket averted. <laughs> yeah, I identify as a teagle. I'm a teagle. What do you want? I shouldn't be talking to you right now. You're a human. You're not supposed to know that I can talk. How do you know what I'm saying? Are you reading my mind? So these are these are the kinds Dude, of. This is our weirdest episode so <laughs> far. <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, the name of this episode is Teagle. Teagle. <laughs> Teagle feathers. Teagle feathers. So all that to say that these are the kinds of churches that are legit out there, you know. Um, and I know even within the Christian community, there's a lot of, you know, denominational bashing, um, which is sad because I, even within, like, I work at a Catholic school. I'm not Catholic, but I work at a Catholic school. Um, and some of the people there, I'm not saying all, that would be obviously stupid, but some of the people there love God with all their heart. And it doesn't matter what their, you know, what their denomination is. I don't believe. I mean, according to scripture, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you're saved. You know, um, and the little things here and there, I mean, what really, I guess you could argue, what does it take to be saved? What does it take to be a Christian? Right. Um, in, in all reality, some of these Catholic you know, some of our Catholic brothers and sisters, they, they love God and they love serving other people as well to the point to where they, they'll rip the sweater off their back and give it to someone else. And then there's obviously some that they just go in, put their money in the, in the collection plate. And that's as far as it ever goes. So I, that's why I said, you know, obviously it's not universal, but the churches, um, when you have a church that that's its message about teagles, you're going to see, I don't care if you're seeing growth or not, that is a social club, you know. There's nothing you're getting out of that message. And if you no. are, then... <laughs> if, if I you're mean, get- at that point, you might as well go to your local ASIN club, and at least that would be more interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you should do that at all. <laughs> Well, and I think over the years, the church has kind of shot itself in the foot many, many times, too, um, by making huge mistakes. Like, you know, like we talked about the pastor earlier or like, you know, back in the 70s with the Swaggered and, you know, Jim Jones. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You have these like mega churches where pastors would fall and do something crazy in the case of jim jones i mean that guy was legit crazy but you know you you have others all these other pastors that make mistakes or or maybe they're just like way off on their doctrine and they're like seriously doing the church damage you know what i mean um but let me see 
Have, is there anything that I missed? Um, I'm thinking. I had a You're thought. thinking about Teagles still, aren't you? Yeah, no, I am. I got I got caught up on that. So no, I was I was trying to think of a way I could put Marilyn Manson into this, and I just couldn't think of a way I could add Marilyn Manson. In. Sorry, sorry, Marilyn. Well, oh, you know that is that is a part that we did not discuss. Is what's that? The war that is being waged on the church from the outside liberal media. And not just the liberal media, but liberal sources, such as music that are drawing our youth away. Um, how about yeah, universities? Like, how about universities? Actually, Marilyn Manson, and I'm not like a Marilyn Manson fan. To me, his music isn't really heavy enough for my style, but mm -hmm. I certainly would think he's a great artist. There are some songs that he's done that I think are really good, but like he is super extreme. Like if if he finds out a band that he want that he likes that he wants to tour with mm -hmm. is a Christian, he will nix that. Wow. And I can't remember what band it was. It was a band. I don't remember if it was like it was maybe Demon Hunter or I don't know who it was. I can't remember. Hmm. But there was a band, and then he found out they're a Christian. And he was like, "Oh, never mind." Really? Like just so sad. Well, I mean, do you think there's a war being waged on the church? Uh, man, yes, but um, I I would not. My opinion wouldn't include the media mm -hmm. because I've stopped. I've I've uh, opted out of listening listening to almost any media at all. And likewise, I have. Uh, I, I'm more yeah, or less... I used to be super into like all the news and you know it was like it was amazing to me and um and well, then it just when i say me media out, so I when i say media i mean like um hollywood as well uh, yeah I don't, as well I mean, as than, as well as music or entertainment any source of entertainment yeah um, it it just and like i said uh universities are definitely at war with the church um well i don't at, think that's anything new though no, but I think it's on a greater level. Um, okay. I really do. I think it's on a greater level. Well, I, I'm an uneducated person, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> I, I never went to college. Yeah. I, I'm not so smart to go to college. Actually, I decided I, I had no interest in college at all. Matt didn't want to be $80,000 in debt like me. Yeah. <laughs> we had this conversation about 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> Did we not? We did. We did. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, dude, I'm good. I, you uh, know, I don't regret going. Um, no, I don't regret you going either. In fact, I think out of all the friends I've ever had that have gone to college, you've made me the most proud because you had the biggest, uh, you were the biggest underdog because you you didn't graduate high school traditionally. I never you, graduated. No. You, you got your ED and then yeah. you, you went on to like, you know, be a very accomplished in, in higher academics. Yeah. So to me, I see that as a huge accomplishment for you because most people that get a GED don't do anything with it yeah. or, you know, yeah, they're whatever. They're so, slave labor. So a little bit about myself is I, um, being a troubled teen, I ended up dropping out uh, of school. I ended up getting in some trouble. Uh, my parents put me in a Christian school at, what was it, fourth grade, and in fifth grade, I led a revolt 
away from that school, um, which obviously the the principals and teachers did not like. Um, me and another student, we ran away from the school with a bunch of backpacks. I don't know where we thought we were going, but we thought we were out of there. And uh, about an hour and a half later, they f all the police departments were looking for us, and they finally caught us like somewhere a couple miles away. Um, and then uh, sixth grade, I ended up getting expelled from that same school. They finally had enough. The principal of a Christian school, keep in mind, um, told me that I was beyond redemption and could not be helped. Um, well, maybe maybe for their education. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't be brainwashed the way we need you to be brainwashed. My, my parents tried to homeschool me for the next year, and that did not work. And uh, it was in about the next year and a half. Um, finally, they re-enrolled me in public school for eighth grade. And uh, in eighth grade, I, um, I excelled. I had to take some uh, tests to get in, and I scored above, you know, above average for scoring. Um, despite not being in school for a year and a half, um, I excelled increasingly in eighth grade. And then after eighth grade, my parents pulled me out of the public school system again. And I was not in school. Um, man, it wasn't until it was like 11th or 12th grade. They put, maybe it was 10th grade. They put me back in. So it was like a couple years later. They put me back in. It was another private school. I didn't even pass that year. Um, like, I just did not want to do work. And they had... It was the stupidest system, man. There was only like 10 or 15 kids in the school. And you had to do these little packets. And you had to do like 15 of them. And they were really dumb. I hated it. And honestly, when it came to testing, because I had a test to go in there, I was like so bored with the bubble testing that I literally started doing like Superman shapes, like Superman S in the bubbles, um, <laughs> and Batman symbols, and then I would do like all kinds of like little character, you know, characters, um, just because I was bored out of my mind and I did not want to do it, you know. Yeah, no, I get, I got gotcha. you. So, I, I never liked that kind of stuff either yeah and after that uh i did like a semester of night school later on but so you can see there's well, like well, hold on that i feel like that's important because um let's talk about your history teacher in night school wasn't oh, it night school uh, mr gimney gimney and it was with the g i couldn't yep. remember how to say his name yeah and but that's what led you to your higher academics is it not him a little bit uh, a little bit. Because I never um, met the guy, but I, I you told you talked to me a, quite a bit about him. Mr. Gibney was, he, you know, I haven't talked to him in years and years and years. I mean, probably twenty years. Um, but yeah, you know, eighth grade, eighth grade was really a year in the public schools where I, when I started excelling increasingly, these professors they could obviously see that I was troubled, um, and a lot of the teachers in the public school began to reach out to me uh, in ways that no one had in the past. Um, there was one other teacher prior to this in fifth grade that really reached out to me, but it had been a, it had been quite a few years where teachers had reached out to me and just cared about me as a, as a student, you know. 
Um, and one that comes to mind is the reason why, inevitably, why I went into being into history, which was my history, eighth grade history teacher, uh, Mr. Evans. Uh, so Mr. Evans, if you ever hear this, I am the reason why, or you were the reason why I went into history. Um, but then fast forward into when I went into night school, uh, again, I had a, another wonderful teacher, uh, Mr. Gibney. And Mr. Gibney poured a lot into my brother first, um, and then poured an immense amount into me. Uh, he was always short with me. Um, but he was he was straight to the point, but he always had really good insight, you know. Um, and there were quite a few times where I would kind of call him out on a few things, and he wasn't really f he he did not like me doing that. But afterwards, he would smile and you know, and he would I I don't remember him saying touche, but he gave me that touche look, like that wink, like yeah, you mm, got okay. it, like you nailed it, you know. Right. Um, and he always told me because I challenged him back, that's what he wanted. He wanted an interactive class. And in my class that I was in, I was the only student to, to stand up and challenge him because he told me sometimes he would just say off the wall stuff that he didn't even believe, but he wanted <laughs> to see if he could get a reaction out of the students. And I was the only one that was like, no, you're being retarded. You know, that's, that's stupid. Interesting. So, yeah, so, and because I would, like, raise a fuss about that, and I would actually fight back, then he, that's why he kind of took, you know, took more time with me than he did with anyone else. Mm. So, so yeah, Mr. Gimney and Mr. Evans are the two main reasons why I went into history. Um, not that I became any good at it, and I'm definitely not on their level, but, um, you know, it is the reason why I developed a passion for history. So then you could, if you wanted to, you could fast forward, what, I don't know, 15 years? <laughs> no, not quite that long. About another 10 years uh, when I came back from L.A., from being in a band, to... Um, we need to talk about that sometime. Yeah, we can talk about that sometime. Um, but you fast forward 10 years, and uh, I didn't even have a GED. I was just getting, you know, jobs here and there. And uh, one, a mechanic came in one day and was like, you know, hey, I'm going to college. And I was like looking at him and I gave him the you're stupid look. And he was like, no, I'm serious. I'm going to college. You should go. And I remember thinking like, that's the dumbest thought I've ever had him, you know, go through my mind ever. Like, why would I want to go to college? I don't even have a GED. I don't have a high school diploma or anything. Um, but something burned inside of me that wanted to go and investigate. So I went up to the school. They made me take tests um, on the spot. I'll never forget. I walked in and I was like, hey, my buddy said uh, my buddy said he's going to college. I wanted to see what I can do. Um, so I went up and I took their tests and I like scored, you know, again, I scored off the chart and they were like, okay. Um, and so, uh, how did it work? They they like signed me up that day, put me through the system, and I had my student ID number that day. Um, and then after that, I started taking classes and eventually got my GED and then associates and then bachelors and then went on to masters. Um, but what's funny is the guy that pushed me to go to school, that same mechanic, 
he dropped out. Like, he never even went. He never went and took the testing. He never did any of it. He just dropped it and never went back. And Interesting. Ha- and had that guy, that mechanic, <clears throat> not done that, I would probably never, I would have probably never gone to the school. Was it, was it any one of the mechanics that I knew? Um, did you I, know? I think I only, I only knew one. They do the fix my car a few times. Oh, I bet. Like, Honda? For like a case of beer, remember? Yes, that was actually him. That was actually was him. Was it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that dude was awesome, man. He came one time, I don't remember his name, but like my axle broke on my car and like he fixed it for a case of beer in like 20 bucks yeah. <laughs> on his lunch break. Yeah. He like, bam, 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 had it done. I was like, dang, that was quick. Yeah, yeah. that was that was him. Yeah. Nice. And had he not like done what he did, I would have never gone, you know. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that just, it's just a weird little, weird little way that the world works, you know? So, yeah, we, uh, where were we going? Well, I guess, we were talking about how kind of how, how, uh, higher education universities are kind of, uh, oh, I don't, atta- I don't know the like terminology the I attack, want to use. Like on the yeah, attack. Yeah, that, sure. That, sure. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And they really are. Uh, I noticed in my first couple years that it wasn't as prevalent in school. Um, but then as I began to move up to even different schools that in different higher levels, um, that the attacks were much more fierce and much more um, just harsher, you know. Um, so you think the deeper you get into the education, the more... The more you either believe yes oh yes so my first two years they encouraged free thought all except for one professor and he was honestly in my opinion like mentally challenged um (laughs) but for the most part the professors in my first two years encouraged free thought okay and then in my second um so i i went part-time um, for my first two years because I had to work and I had to go to school too. Um, but in my first two years going part-time at, you know, one school, okay, encouraged free thought. But then as I began to move up through the, through the grades and higher grades, these professors that were teaching these higher level grades began to scrutinize God and church even more and more and more, Okay. Then I transfer. So they, they do it almost subtly, so it, it seems unnoticeable. Yes. In a way. Yeah. And so then you I almost have to be like keen, keen to what's going on yep. to get it. Yeah. Okay. All of a sudden, it becomes a suggestion, or it goes from free thought to a suggestion that maybe you know you and going to church is is not a great thing. To it's not a great thing. Um, to being like from U of M to uh, Wayne State, um, my final years at, in my undergrad, God just either not exist. And this is the irony: He either didn't exist, or and you were just being stupid for going to church, which is what professors would actually tell me, um, or that God simply was um, some made-up, you know made up contraption or made up idea um 
brought about to weaken, you know, the populace and all this and that. And then once you get into your masters, you are literally like stupid for believing anything other than what the teacher wants you to believe. Okay. Yeah. And okay, that they, is and that is they're like a god, are, are they not? Yeah, and that's including that's political. Okay. That's sick, man. That's that's mental illness. Yeah, it's literally like if you don't follow these professors around and sniff their booties and say everything that they <laughs> Dude, want would, you to say. I would say. get such an F in all these classes because I am not a butt kisser at all. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly how these people are. They just want the grades so bad that they're willing to. And I'll be honest, at some points I was kind of viewing it that way myself. And then you kind of snap out of it you're in, and you're like, what am I doing? I'm literally selling myself to appease this professor and I remember being back in like Mr. Gibney's class of arguing and debating and going toe to toe over you know God and over my beliefs you know what I mean and then, mm -hmm. and, then and then this voice cries out to me every single time that I was put in a situation like that and, and this is one of the reasons why I left my master's program was because this voice kept crying out to me. Um, it's something that uh, a professor said to me at U of M, and you know he was he was kind of wrongfully quoting Voltaire, but he would say a, a quote by Voltaire. You know, I might not agree with what you believe, but I'll fight to the death for your right to believe it. And I've heard that before. Yeah. And that that quote comes out all the time in my in the back of my head, you know. Do you and think people that say that really mean it? No, they definitely I, I definitely do not. They definitely I don't do like not. Either. No, especially this day and age, because if people if you don't believe what everyone wants you to believe, take Seattle or Portland. How about any of those places? You know, are those people fighting for your right to say something? You know, not not that I'm like in support of like different parts of the country, like Charlotte, you know, um, or places where there's like, you know, bad things going on or racism. I'm not in support of racism, but I'm saying like, are we well, stifling out people's right to say whatever they want to say? Is that what is that what kind of nation we've become? I don't think <laughs> I don't think we've had free speech for a while. Yeah. But that's my opinion. I think we've had the illusion of free speech, but that's that's just my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if you say anything against the quote unquote norm, mm -hmm. you're totally you'll totally get um attacked by all the people. It, it's just regular people too. Because people have been programmed um, to such an extent that if you say something that's a little bit different than the accepted reality, mm -hmm. um, you you just get attacked. I've seen it happen to Rebecca all the time on Facebook. Really? Um, <clears throat> yeah. That's yeah. A shame, I'll, dude. I'll. I know because she'll just put her her opinions out there, and. It'll be like something based biblically, and she'll put it out there, and then she'll get like just slammed by all these people, unfriended, attacked. I'm like, you know, 
this is why I don't use Facebook because, I mean, quite frankly, it's not that I don't want to stick up for what's right, but I just don't have the energy to debate with retards. Right. I'm just going to be honest. I don't care. Right. If you, if you don't like what I feel about this or that, I don't care. I just don't have energy to, to, to debate with retarded people who only go along with what they're told to believe. Right. Uh, and and it's just too it's it's not the stress isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. So I tend to just stay away from those kind of arguments, not because I feel like my argument will lose. I just, I just, I can't argue with dumb people. No. And I see it I, a lot. I hear you. I hear you. And especially in college, um, it is one of the, it is one of the things that you have to learn as you go through college that you just, if you really want that paper, you will put down whatever you got to put down just to get the paper and be able to separate getting that paper, being objective. Remember like what we talked about with uh, Jason Wisdom? Yeah, like like doing it as a character. I thought that was pretty yeah. clever. Yeah, I never is. thought about it from it that is. angle. It's just being like an objective thinker and playing a character. You mm-hmm. know? And sometimes that's really what you got to do. You know, to get that paper. I don't regret doing anything that I like anything that I wrote um, because I, I tried to work for success um, but at the same time there is a part of it that eats at you over time right So, by the way people are going to just like try to rail me and attack me for saying the word retard I know it <laughs> I welcome I, I welcome it because if you look up what the word retard means it means to slow or to hinder. Yes, yeah, slow down. Uh, as a truck driver, um, the Jake brake, that's actually not a real thing. That's a made up term. It's actually called an engine retarder. Yeah. It means to slow down. Yep. So when I say the word retard, I actually know what I'm what it means and how to use it in context. Right. Um, so it means to slow down or underdeveloped. Yeah. And when I say I uh I don't want to argue with underdeveloped people. I mean that. It's just a waste of my time. Or people that slow so. down my <laughs> thinking. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't want to argue with retarded people because I know what the word retarded means, and most people don't. And they're like, yeah. my cousin's retarded. That's offensive. Yeah. Maybe you look up what the word means and then come talk to me. Right. Well, and likewise, they might. They might challenge me for calling my old professor, uh, one of my old professors, mentally challenged. When in actuality, I really believe he was mentally challenged. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I've, yeah. <laughs> but, Let me just say, being around somebody who's mentally challenged is right. living under tyranny. Am I wrong? Right. Yes. Well, listen. I had a neighbor upstairs who yeah. was tyranny (laughs) and he's gone now and i'm free (laughs) i'm freedom it is it's like freedom it's like i can actually scream really loud and not bother anybody yeah well listen we uh we gotta wrap it up here uh you got any final thoughts yes the word retard is awesome when using the correct (laughs) correct context Oh, even when it's not the correct t- context, who are you who who are you to tell me what I can and can't say? Right. I'll say retard if I want. Don't do not tell the Teagle 
what to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell the Teagle what retarded means. This Teagle knows a retard when he sees one. But remember, I'm not educated because I didn't go to college very much. Alright, let's... We should just do a full episode of us acting like this. Just completely stupid and doing impressions in voice. Voice impressions, whatever. Speaking of which, I, I have to tell you this. I don't... I don't... I think I sent you the link, but I don't know if you saw it. Did you get that link that I sent you for that homeless man doing the impressions of Breaking Bad characters? Uh, no. Oh my god. It's amazing. These two dudes in a car rolled up to this homeless guy, and he starts doing, like, impressions of different characters from Breaking Bad, and he nails them. And Rebecca and I are just, like, rolling on the floor laughing because he's so good. He's just like, science, yo! It, it makes it do that! Magnetism! And he starts doing, like, Jesse, and then, and then he starts doing Mike. He's like, well, you know, uh... I, I've thought this situation out, and I can't see one that turns out with Miller time. He does all of them so good. Uh, so I'll put that link in the description because I'm telling you what, this whoever this homeless dude is, his impressions are amazing, and they just made me laugh, and they made me have a great day. Yeah, put so it, I want to share it, that wanna, with you. Well, put it. I want to. I want to see it myself. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, send me a link. It's good. He does. He even does. Uh, uh, uh Walter Jr. He's like, eh, 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 having a one day. <laughs> Dude, it was so good. It was good. I, are you telling me this whole time you guys are drug dealers and you, you never told me? Dude, it was awesome. Wow. So yeah, I'll put that link just because that guy, whoever that homeless person is, God bless him. Dude, that guy made my day better. Just by him doing those awesome impressions, and I'm going to put that in the links. Okay. Other than yeah. that, I have nothing else. I think this was a great episode. It was fantastic. It was interesting. It went all over the place, which is fine. Yeah. And uh, we talked about some interesting stuff. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, I really don't have anything else. I'm uh, kind of uh, at an end. Uh, I'm at an end. Have an A one day. <laughs> All right. Well, this is. Um, I guess. I, I guess I'll close, or you can close. How about you? No, close? you go ahead. Oh, no, I'll close. You close. I already right, said enough. Right, cool. I talked. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've gotten this far, um, check out. Uh, check out all of our social media stuff. I'll put links in the descriptions. Um, we have our main. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. The app I use to, to distribute the podcast is called Anchor.fm. And if you go there, get an account, and then look for the Campfire Conversationalist podcast, you can connect with us there. You can leave us a voice message, and I can respond. So if you're like, hey, what did you mean about the word retarded, man? I find that so offensive. I can be like, yeah, well. I will read you out of the dictionary what the word retarded actually means. And I will show you in context what it means. Or whatever. If you're just like, hey, man, your dreads that I can't see are so awesome. And I'll be like, <laughs> thank you. Uh, whatever. I don't know. Leave us a message on there. Also, we're on Facebook. You can follow me, 7Dread, um, on 
uh, Facebook. And the seven is spelled uniquely. It's S-E-V-I-I-N-N. Write that down and then look at it and you'll get it. It's interesting. Seven Dread. And then um, Campfire Conversationalist is also, we. Um, that's also on Facebook as well. I do that. Um, at Dreadmat. Actually, yeah, at Dreadmat on um, Twitter. And then I just changed my Instagram to official Dreadmat because I didn't have, I can't get Dreadmat on instagram because somebody else already had it before me so official dread matt i'm more official than they are <laughs> on instagram um other than that uh just uh if you like the show let everybody know if you don't keep it to yourself <laughs> that's it <laughs> have a good one nice. we're out <laughs>